Please pray with me. Lord God, thank you for the gift and blessing of this day. Thank you for the beauty of your creation. Lord, the beauty of the sky, Lord, as it was so uh, clear and blue this morning. The beauty of this place, Lord, where you have colored the light through these stained glass windows, Lord, to give us just a warm and comforting and holy presence here. We pray, Lord God, that just as you use each and every one of those stained glass panes, Lord, to give a different color into this world, so use us, Lord. Shine your light through us. And we pray that you would use us, Lord, to make this world a more beautiful place. We pray that you would speak to us this morning, Lord. May your Holy Spirit fall powerfully upon us. May you convict us of sin. May you reveal to us the hope of your gospel. And may you draw us into relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Morning. Morning. Now, I love what I do. And one of those special moments happened this morning as, as Dick was trying to put away the gospel book. Lola the cat grabbed hold of his cincture and had a hold of him. You know, in those, those special moments that <laughs> make church just beautiful. She was doing her part to help out. Now, when I was a kid, I grew up uh, uh, in Nevada County in a spot that we had this, this like a, about an acre or so of woods behind our house, maybe a couple acres. It was belonged to, I don't know who it belonged to, it wasn't ours, but we just would go out there, all the kids in the neighborhood, and play around. We'd um, have wars out there, we'd build forts out there, we'd play hide and seek out there. Um, we would just do nothing out there, just wander around. But then in 1985, I saw a film about a group of kids searching for treasure. This movie, of course, was called The Goonies. Right? And if you've seen this movie, you know it's like the height of cinematography and script writing. And it's amazing in this movie because these kids go through all these challenges. It's kind of like Indiana Jones for kids. Right, They go through all these challenges and difficulties, and there's a, a group of felons chasing them. It's a classic children's story, right? And eventually they end up finding this huge pirate's treasure. So I was pretty convinced that there had been a group of enterprising pirates who had not been content to just bury their treasure on the coast, but maybe had headed up you know, the Sacramento to the Yuba, and then had buried their treasure somewhere on Banner Mountain, because I was looking for it all the time. You know, just maybe high security pirates who don't want to deal with like the, the usual places. You know, they hide it out of the way. I'd also read Treasure Island, so I was pretty sure this was, you know, Treasure Island would happen around me somewhere. I mean, there was a pond down the street, so it, it's pretty close. And our county, or this area of the country is called the what? Gold country. So what is there all around? I was sure I was going to find it somewhere under those pine trees. Right? Gold. There's got to be gold somewhere around here. And so I looked. I spent days digging around, flipping logs over, looking under things, looking around things for signs of buried treasure. Then one day, one day, one fateful day, I found it. The hidden treasure I had always sought after. One afternoon, I was just meandering through the woods and there was this small clearing, and in the clearing there was this shaft of light stretching down from in between the huge, uh, huge pine trees. 
And that light, that ray of light, was shining on an object in the middle of the clearing. I had found it, my treasure. It was Excalibur. Right? You know King Arthur's sword? I saw it. It was right there in that clearing. And so, with trembling hands, like a young King Arthur, I reached out my hand to grab the hilt of this amazing find, King Arthur's lost sword. And closed my hands around the handle. Now, to switch gears, the Apostle Paul... In the, he writes a letter to the church in Corinth. This is his second letter to that church. And he addresses many issues that are complicating the worship in the church. Good thing we don't have issues that complicate our worship anymore, right? There's always something, right? There's always something, and it's helpful to see what they were wrestling with back then. The primary problem was a sense of self-centeredness that was causing some people to feel that they were better than others. Have we grown out of that? No, unfortunately we haven't. We still wrestle with this today. Paul, though, wanted people to think less about themselves, not to think of themselves as nothing, but to think, just not even consider themselves as much, but rather to think about God and others, to live their lives as focused outward rather than always focused inward at what it means for me or what it can do for me. He wanted them to focus on the mission of building up those who are new to the faith, making them mature, helping them to grow in their knowledge and love of Jesus Christ, and then going out and proclaiming the good news by preaching the gospel. That's what Paul wanted to do. That's what he wanted to orient the church in Corinth to do. Now, in our passage, we catch up with Paul as he's presenting to them the basis for this humble life. He says, we do not proclaim ourselves... We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. Is this a different worldview than they were wrestling with? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. Instead of seeing yourself as top of the heap or at least trying to get there, you see yourself as a servant of all, seeking to serve and to love just as Jesus Christ did. It speaks directly to their problem, directly to the problem of the church in Corinth. But in the next paragraph, he gives us an image that helps give more flesh to how we do this, right? It gives us an image which reveals to us the central idea of how Paul views himself and how his audience should see themselves as well. He says, but we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Now, clay jars, they were the Tupperware of the day, right? They didn't have Tupperware back then, in case you were curious. They had clay jars, and they used clay jars for everything. If you were going to go get water in the well in town, what would you use? Clay jar, jar, right? If you were going to go pick up some stuff in the market that needed to be held in something that was like impermeable, you would bring your clay jars, right? If you had leftovers from dinner you needed to send home with the other family, you put it in your clay jar, right? And you sent it home. That's The clay jars were for everything, like drinking vessels, bowls, all that kind of stuff was made out of clay jars. There were other things they made stuff out of, right? Stone. Is it easy to make stuff out of stone? No. Have you ever tried to carve a stone in your spare time? It's a lot of work. 
It's a lot of work unless you've got like power tools, which by the way, they had no Tupperware nor power tools back then. They had gold and silver too. Are those normal things for everyday use? No, not at all. Most people didn't even have them. They had clay or stone and that's what they used. But clay was for the ordinary things. If you were going to mop the floor in your house, what would you use to hold the water in the mop bucket? Clay jar, right? Clay jar. You're not using the silver for that. Right? Clay jars. And sometimes they would gussy up their clay jars with some images or they'd like carve into it when when the clay was not yet fired. But if you wanted to host a formal party, you didn't use clay jars. You used gold or silver or stone. Things of beauty and permanence. This stuff, these clay jars, they were just ordinary stuff. Daily items. The stuff you used all the time. No one would ever think to put treasure in it. That's incongruous. Treasure would go in something valuable. But a clay jar? That's for the ordinary things. The normal things in life. Not for treasure. So then Paul goes on to express how this plays out in the midst of a life of persecution and hardship. Now in the course of life, if you've ever owned a clay jar, what often happens to it? It breaks. You chip the rim, you put a crack in it. Maybe it's just a hairline thing so it doesn't hold water anymore. Right? But they get broken. That's one of the problems with with clay is that it cracks so easily. But those cracks and wounds, according to Paul only serve to reveal the precious treasure inside the vessel. So in this particular use, you don't just throw out the clay when you're done with it. No, it reveals what's inside, the beauty of what's inside. And so Paul tells the Corinthians, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. Now in Paul's imagery, if the treasure is something that God puts inside the vessel, what are the clay jars? They're us. They're us. They're the Christians in Corinth. The people who Paul was writing to, those people are the clay jars. Ordinary, normal people. Nothing to set them apart as special or dignified or high class or anything. Just ordinary people. And God had put his treasure in them. And as Christians, as these Corinthians suffered for the sake of Christ, they carried in their bodies the death of Jesus Christ. They carried in them the punishments and the the suffering of Christ. It was visible in their bodies as they suffered for the sake of the gospel. But as they did that, They also revealed his life. As they suffered for his name, they revealed his life as well. His redeeming resurrection. It became visible. Challenge, hardship, persecution. In Christ, those events did not destroy a Christian, but instead opened them up to reveal the good news that Jesus had triumphed through persecution. In a sense, the message of the gospel is that through being broken open, Through suffering, through difficulty, through challenge, we do not die. Rather, Christ's life pours out of us into the world and blesses it. When I was a kid, 
playing in those woods, I thought I had found the treasure. I felt like I was a part of something special. But as I closed my hands around the hilt of Excalibur, I noticed it was a little rusty. A little rusty. And as I tried to pull it from the ground, like in the movie, The Sword in the Stone, right? Waiting for like the music to come and like a new future and a new hope and potential to surround me, I realized it wasn't in fact a sword. It was just a chunk of metal, a chunk of stripped steel that had gotten stuck in the ground. And when I pulled it out, it didn't even have like a cool tip or anything on it. It was kind of like mangled up and twisted and knotted up. I mean, I made the best of it. I like whacked some trees with it and some stumps and thought it was pretty cool before I lost track of where it was. I put it down at some point and it was gone forever, consumed by the lady of the lake again, taken back. (laughs) Right? But that feeling, that feeling, that moment as I reached out, That feeling of hopefulness, that feeling of potential, that feeling of something amazing being right there before me, that feeling is not really a feeling. It's a reality that you and I can experience. And it's not tied to some sword from legend. It's tied to Jesus Christ himself, who wants to fill us with his treasure And this treasure is not something that can be taken from us, not something that can be lost in the wood and and fade into rust. This treasure is something that is ours to hold on to forever. And the beautiful thing about holding a valuable treasure like that is it makes us realize just how little we are and how great God is. And by the grace of God, he can give us the ability to lay down our lives for others. It's the perfect antidote for the problem the Corinthians were wrestling with. When we see who God is, it gives us the ability to see who we are and to know that we need his grace and mercy and we should put others above ourselves. Jesus Christ wants to entrust us with his precious treasure He wants to fill us with it, fill us to overflowing with his precious gift. How does this take place? How does he fill us? Well, interestingly, it's initiated by realizing what we are, by realizing and admitting and confessing that we are jars of clay. We are humble. We are flawed. We are inadequate. We are broken. Once we recognize that, we turn to Jesus Christ and we ask for his mercy. We ask him to take us as we are, to redeem us, to set us free. And he does the most amazing thing when we do this. He fills us with his beautiful grace and love and transforms us from failures into children, children of the living God. That is the promise. That is the hope that stands before us in that clearing in the woods with the light shining upon us. Is the hope of Jesus Christ. He can take us and transform our lives and make us children of God. And so we are in him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. 
Thank you for working out your perfect and beautiful and holy plan through broken people like us. Lord God, keep us humble. Keep us humble. Help us to remember, Lord God, that we are merely jars of clay carrying around a beautiful treasure. And Lord, may we share that treasure with others. It is not a treasure that is to be hoarded or to be buried, but it is a treasure which is to be shared. And unlike worldly treasure, which diminishes the more we share it, Lord, this treasure expands the more we share it. Lord God, break us open. Break us open so that we can pour out your treasure in this world, so that we can share the message of your salvation, the message of your love and mercy, and the hope of redemption with this world. Lord God, help us to humbly walk with you and to serve you and to serve those you put us in contact with. And Lord God, may we lay down our lives in thanksgiving to you. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.